After Dark with your host, Brandon A. Lane. Alright, welcome again to another episode of Rants After Dark. I'm your host, Brandon A. Lane, and joining me this month is one of the OGs of the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast, making his debut on our sister show. You know him, you love him. And smell him from a mile away. It's a good smell. <laughs> I'm talking about the alcoholic stench uh, we've oh, both yeah. been indulging. It's Fat Fuck Scott. Hi. <laughs> and today we're going to be uh, tackling one of my personal favorites, and we hope it's one you'll enjoy, and that being Death Wish 3. Mm. Exactly. Man shit. <laughs> this, is, this is the definition of quote-unquote man shit. And we're, at the time we're recording this, um, you know, it is the, we're right on the cusp of our nation's birthday, and I can't think of any better way to celebrate than with a bunch of fucking carnage. Yep, that's a lot better than I drove through earlier. Lots of trackers. Well, <laughs> thankfully there's no traffic here in the Black Lodge. And listen, you guys, you don't have to watch the movie with us. You get to watch the movie with us, so please load up your DVD, Laserdisc, Blu-ray, digital copy of the film. And when I say hit play, you're going to hit play. Now, the first thing you're going to see is the two pieces of the Canon logo coming together. So we're going to sync this up in three, two, one, play. That's how you know it's going to be good. That logo, the goddamn Canon logo, and I'm not. I'm not making this up. I would get that tattooed on me. That's how much I love Canon. They they mean so so much to me. That is the uh, the staple of quality of my childhood. Now, as an adult, I can see the holes in that. <laughs> but, but as a kid, branding a Canon a Canon film <coughs> meant that it was going to be a fucking masterpiece and speaking of masterpieces we have the wonderful the charles bronson the mustache that could uh you know drown a toddler in the panties of the women uh i am you know, tom atkins uh, same lover up there uh they're different types of mustaches yes, but definitely a mustache to uh to to seek out um now i'm capable of growing facial hair hey <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I got nothing for that. I'm trying, man. And if you were if you were to grow a mustache, like what type of mustache would you grow? Oh, I'd have to do the Burt Reynolds. <laughs> I don't know that that would sue you. I love the Burt Reynolds. Or my the my goal in life to this day is to grow the Lemmy, and I I just it will not connect. I get all the shit down the side, but it will not grow in the middle. Well, maybe if you had a little more ethnic blood in your background, you uh, you Aryan piece of shit. I'm you sorry, can... <laughs> I got a full head of hair. <laughs> so, uh, Death Wish Three was released November first, nineteen eighty five, on a budget of nine million dollars. Uh, eight. Eight million of which was spent on you know blowing people to fucking shreds. One scene at the end, which is just it's it goes off the rails, and yeah, it's worth every damn penny. Uh, the opening weekend gross five million three hundred nineteen thousand one hundred sixteen dollars. Its overall gross sixteen million one hundred sixteen thousand eight hundred seventy eight dollars. So this movie wasn't like the runaway success that it's still my favorite one out of the series it just, it's that perfect level over the top but it's it's still kind of grounded compared to like the fifth one 
where it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's overstated to them. This is, okay. Music Jimmy by, Page. Music by Jimmy Page. The uh, Jimmy Page? The Jimmy Page of, of Swanson Records and uh, more uh, profoundly Led Zeppelin. Um, a lot, my understanding is a lot of this music is just reused from the second film, which he was very mm-hmm. heavily involved with. But yeah, the Jimmy well, Page. Mine was like, I was taking notes and I was like, this song sounds like half Seinfeld, half Sesame Street, half Rocky theme. <laughs> yes, three halves. Boom, boom. It's, 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 it's so weird. Like, and then you see Bronson. Like, it, yeah, okay. It doesn't, it doesn't quite set the tone. <laughs> no, of the music's what... <laughs> all over the place in this movie. Yeah. It... <laughs> oh. So. This wasn't shot in New York, which it's set in. I don't know if that's uh, that, that's evident or not, but this is this is actually you're in the UK. Oh, this is Detroit now. <laughs> D- Detroit wishes <laughs> this uh, this gentleman that uh, that's getting ready to go into this building. That's the giggler. This is giggler. Yeah, uh, he actually had a, a a fairly successful uh, career afterwards. You know, appearing in a few uh, films and. I, I just I, I love this character because it, he's the giggler. It's such a stupid uh, thing to have one of your your main antagonist. Uh, okay, so they throw a rock through the window, but he goes to the front door and opens it. Why, Bill but, S. Preston Esquire? Uh, that <laughs> that is Bill S. Preston Esquire. Um, he. Uh, <laughs> He's so little. You know, when uh, when Bronson saw this kid, like, it's a part of the story. Like, he's, you know, he's got to, like, whip him around a little bit later on. And Alex Winter, who who plays the character, um, has said over the years that that uh, Charles Bronson was a really, really nice guy. <clears throat> he was a little bit of a germaphobe, but otherwise, you know, he was a really nice guy. And he, and he quote, unquote, said, I can't knock this kid around. He's got a goddamn... Choir boy, angel face. <laughs> he does. He's so pretty. He's, he's uh, This is uh, this is before he uh, sort of exploded into the the mainstream. We did this, and then like right after, like was this before or after Lost Boys? Uh, this is before you know, he did Seven, Lost Boys, right and before. then and then he did Bill and Ted mm-hmm. in like eighty seven, but it didn't get released. I think until like eighty nine. Mm-hmm. So hey, this is this is him on the cusp of entering into the the public consciousness. Um. IMDb has Death Wish 3 at a 5.9 out of 10. Mm. That's actually higher than I thought it was going to be. Oh, it's so much higher. What do you what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is? Uh probably worse than that. <laughs> it's probably worse than it's that. It's considerably worse than that. It is a a whopping 11%. Oh my god. Critics were not fond of this movie. Uh, what do you think the audience score is? Uh, should be significantly higher. Seventy percent, eighty percent. You you would be dreaming. <laughs> really? Eight, Why? Eighteen percent. I watched this sitting at work and was laughing my head off the entire time. This is a great film. I I'm going to completely agree with you, but uh, as far as just like normies are considered, I, I do think that there is. What can a, a normal fun. person see the movie called Death Wish and just like I'm gonna put that on? 
But, you know, you go in because you know what you're going to see. Not, not to mention this is Death Wish 3. Yeah! So you, you, you know what you're getting into by this point. At the same, at the same time, like, the, the first, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the lead up to that in just a moment, but th- this movie kind of goes oh. above and beyond what the first two movies. I love yeah. this. And his, his face makes me so happy right here. Dead fish. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I love that the cops show up. Oh, just, yeah. just in time to be completely pointless. They do that multiple times throughout the film. I think they kind of do that on purpose to show, like, they are really, really useless. Anytime they show up, they always get the wrong person or they're there for the wrong reasons. Well, yeah, the, the, the cop, his entire three line is like, listen, uh, we're, we, we can't do anything. Now, that's I'm a detective just, dude, okay? I'm, I'm just going to let you go out and murder people at will. <laughs> As long as you check in, he never checks in. As long as you give me something, he never gives me anything. <laughs> so uh, the Metacritic rating is 18 out of 100. Uh, so it's pretty much in line with the audience score. However, Google users generally are, they nail it. Are, the, are the most accurate. What do you think Google users rate this movie at? Please be at least an 80. I love this film. 89. Yes! Yes! Google still has it. I would rank it a little higher, but I think that's probably an accurate uh, depiction. Because if you watch this movie as a film, this movie's terrible. (laughs) But if you watch this as a piece of just uh, popcorn You watch this for the same reason you watch Invasion USA or something like that. I mean, it's 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 the Commando, uh, anything over the top, uh, Cobra. You watch it for things like that. You're going in because you want to uh, see a bunch of bad people get what they deserve. Uh, Cobra has an interesting story. How dare you? Cobra's amazing, but it's not something I... Uh, <laughs> I can't see critics being like, Cobra is the masterpiece of our time. Well, those critics, uh, critics would be wrong. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Normally in the podcast, we'd have Steak Dick, Eddie's Titty Tally. We'll point out the, the oh. rest as they happen in the film. And then on Fat Tony's hit list, there are literally too many bodies I to can't. count. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Hiroshima had less there casualties. Was, well, you're in trouble for that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> there was literally, like, I was trying to toward the end, like, when, you know, all the hell pops off. And I was like, oh, no, I hope he kept counting because I'm sure I'm not going to be able to. It just goes off the rails real fast, and it's amazing. Uh, this scene is as much of the <laughs> of the plot as you're going to get in this yep. movie, because beyond this point, there's there's really not much plot. It's just Bronson kicking the shit out of people <laughs> and or just bloodthirstily murdering him. <laughs> he hits him. He gets kicked in the balls. Throw him in jail! All right, cool. Yeah, I... I, I really like this uh, this the you know, this character Detective dude. Yeah, he's. I he, want a shirt of just that mugshot. Oh, I I would ninety uh, percent of my attire would be Bronson related if there were more uh, possibilities out there. Um, so nineteen eighty five, interesting time as far as the action movie is considered. So I thought it would be kind of fun for us to uh, kind of talk about the. Stiff competition as far as uh, action adventure movies from 85. So, Scott, read us out what came out in 85. Stiff competition, 1985. American Ninja. Goddamn, right? Avenging Angel. Sexy movie. Barbarian Queen. A really sexy movie. (laughs) Code of Silence. Not that sexy, Uh, but... 
you know, Commando, oh, Invasion oh, USA. Holy crap, this is a stacked year. King Solomon's Mines, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Rambo First Blood Part 2. I cannot get much harder. Yes, I can. Red Sonja, <laughs> Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, To Live and Die in L.A., and A View to a Kill. Okay, if, if you were to take... Go, fat boy. The, uh... <laughs> You bastard fucker! Fucking shithead! Between two bars. <laughs> Look, it's Pete Davidson's uncle. <laughs> okay, so if you were to take just a list of like what I gave you, what, what do you think that Mad, uh, Mad Max uh, 3, Death Wish 3 is in, say, the top five? As far as like I gro- would, grossing uh, monetarily. Definitely top ten. Maybe top five. You put Arnold on anything at that time, and then you have like Rambo. The that's a really hype sequel. All right. Well, let's break it down. Number five, Code of Silence, starring Chuck Norris, mm-hmm. made twenty million three hundred forty-five thousand three hundred sixty-one dollars. Coming at number four, we have Mad Max Beyond Oof, Thunderdome be with thirty-six million two hundred thirty thousand two hundred nineteen dollars. I hated Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome I as a kid. I've come to actually really like it. it. It's a fun movie. I love Master Blaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I have a dream uh, for my day job to have a little person ride a big person <laughs> in my haunted house. It will happen one day. That's my that's my goal in life. As we see uh, Paul Kersey uh, getting the shit kicked out of by him. the Kurgan's like mentally handicapped meth head brother. Uh, I was going to say, does this dude not look like? Um, William Atherton's, like, brother. It's weird. That was my first note. Like, yeah, he looks exactly like him, but with no muscle. <laughs> well, I'm talking about William Atherton as in, like, Dickless from Ghostbusters. Oh, jeez. You know, a, a, oh, a, wow. a ginger dickhead. Um, he plays the asshole in everything in the 80s. Yeah, he was in uh, Death, uh, Death Wish, uh, Die Hard and Die Hard 2. Yeah, the asshole reporter that Busted it on the kids and shit. Biodome. Oh, my God. I forgot about Biodome. <laughs> All right. Back to our list. Uh, number three, we have A View to a Kill with $50,327,960. That was um, the final outing by Sir Roger Moore as James Bond. Uh, you got um, Christopher Walken as the villain. Grace Jones as Mayday, the uh, the henchman. It's a it's a yeah, fun movie, but he's he's a uh, Roger Moore was way too old to be James Bond at that yeah. point. Uh, coming in at number two, we have Commando with fifty seven million four hundred and ninety one thousand dollars. That's like peak Arnold, like as far as. All the one-liners ever. Over-the-top action. Commando. Hip spray and the machine guns. Come on. Commando has one of my, oh. my favorite uh, fuck-ups in a movie ever. It was one of those things where they don't... Like, you would never notice it unless you're watching the DVD. Because on VHS, you'd never notice it. But there's the part where... Uh, they're being chased and they're out, you know, the highway or whatever, or it's like up in the mountains and they're on like a big turn. It's right mm-hmm. before he like drops the guy by his leg. Um, but they're in like a Porsche 911 mm-hmm. and it gets flipped and it's like fucking busted to shit. But then when he flips it back <laughs> it over, back it's over. completely <laughs> it fine. Just rolls it over. Completely fine. And then number one, 
with a box office return of three hundred million four hundred thousand and four hundred thirty-two dollars. Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Yeah, I, it this it is four times the box office gross of any of these other movies. Rambo had quite the friggin' following, and then seeing him get more jacked. And more ripped, and take the fight to an enemy that everybody hates. I yeah, I love, I love Rambo. I love Stallone. I love part two. Um, my in my top <laughs> five favorite movies is the original First Blood. And as a kid, I love First Blood Part Two mm-hmm. more because it's the more action action oriented, ridiculous. You know, there was quite a there was wish fulfillment commentary running the first one about anti war and stuff and all that, and the second one's like. Fuck it. Kill them all! <laughs> and he did. He, he did. He, he killed blo- them all. He blows up a dude with an exploding uh, arrow. arrow and it, that is yeah. it's so fucking satisfying. There, There is a moment in this film, which we'll talk about when it happens, uh-huh. that is that rivals <laughs> its ridiculousness. Um, that being said, you know, Rambo was a huge hit. So, I mean, like, by and large, the biggest, uh, you know, film of 1985 as far as the action genre is considered. So let's talk a little bit about the the background of how we got to Death Wish Three. Okay. So the Death Wish novel was which was uh, written by a gentleman by the name of Brian Garfield. It's a story about Paul Benjamin, who's a CPA in New York. Uh, he's got a you know a just a, a run of the mill average life. Uh, in, average dude. Yeah, he's got a, do- a daughter named uh, Carol and a wife named Esther. And they're attacked by muggers. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife does not survive the attack, and his traumatized daughter is left as a, in a vegetative state. So there's not too many differences between the book and the first movie, but uh, forced to evaluate his views, Benjamin uh, becomes a vigilante and is eager to seek vengeance. Now, the original Death Wish film, which comes out a couple of years later, July 4th, 1974, they changed the character's name to Paul Kersey from uh, Paul Benjamin. And uh, he changes his occupation from a CPA to an architect. And for the most part, critics liked the film, but it was heavily criticized for glorifying uh, taking the law into your own hands. Do you think the first movie uh, does glorify violence and uh, vigilanteism, or is it sort of uh, just is it just popcorn fun? I can see both arguments. I'm taking a shot, by the way. It's your fourth one? You're doing good. You're doing good. Um, I don't mind the idea of vigilantism. I'm a huge fan of Batman and the Punisher and Moon Knight. I love vigilantism. Yeah, Moon, Moon Knight um, sucks, but I'll uh, continue. But laws are there for a reason, but there's some... We've seen the system is broken a billion times. People who don't deserve to get in trouble get in trouble, and those who do deserve to get in trouble usually get away with it. So it's not it's it's fantasy fulfillment. You want to see the bad guys get what's coming to them in any way, shape, or form. The, the first the first movie does not have a positive outcome in the sense that like the mm-hmm. sequels do because he never finds the attacker mm-hmm. attackers of his his family, which is Jeff a young Jeff Goldblum and a couple other thugs. Um, he gets just about killed because he's out. He he gets on this like he's definitely out of his element. He's exactly. just a normal guy. Yeah, he just he you know he gets ambushed and uh, he takes one out, but he gets you know one between the ribs and and they basically tell him like, listen, 
you got to leave town. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the public is into what you're doing, but we can't allow we can't allow you to continue doing this. That's basically the entire story. Of the rest of the movies is like the cops like we like what you're doing. Stop doing it. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, so several years pass. Uh, Charles Bronson's having you know ebb and flow of a career. It's like anybody anybody would you know hit, hits anyway. hits and and misses. And uh, the rights to the Death Wish series is picked up by Canon. Now, Canon being known for their sensitive uh, oh, yeah. outlook on any form of cinema exploitation, you know, <laughs> titties, <laughs> uh, t- <laughs> sex and violence—the Canon story—they they, they go hand in hand. Yes, they uh, do. So, Canon and uh, Death Wish Two. Uh, a, mar- a marriage made in hell, as far as the critics were concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vincent Canby of the New York Times said, It's even more foolish, more tacky, and more self-righteously inhumane than, ni- than the 1974 okay. melodrama. Go ahead. The part, the, he just stuck this guy, right? Because he was overstepping his boundaries as, like, as far as filling in the role of the leader. They don't show it. And I always like, is that cut for a reason? Yes. This is actually the the way that this movie ended up with an R rating. There is way more violence in this movie later that's way over the top, but that guy getting a knife through the throat, come on. Well, the, uh, because it's very, the the shot held and lingered on Mm -hmm. it. And a lot of this is, you know, it's it's seeing people get shot, but either, yeah, but it's like they're doing the old western. Oh, yeah, roll then, over. They, then they fall off a building or whatever. Oh man, you know she's gonna die. She made eyes at Bronson. <laughs> any <sighs> any woman that has sniffed, yep. been in a sniffing area of of his musk, will meet a bitter end. It's just the it's unfortunate. Just yeah, he's he, any woman, any woman that uh, engages in coitus with him basically becomes is Bruce that, Wayne's parent. Is it the Atkins rule, or would you call it the Bronson rule? If you have sex, you got to die. Well, any woman that has sex with Tom Atkins just dies from the sex because they can't <laughs> they can't handle his his masculinity. Um, uh, Bronson, on the other hand, it's more of like a small, it's a slow moving virus, mm. you know. Eventually it'll catch up with yeah, you. Yeah, it will. It's like it follows. <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> oh my God. That's the beginning of it. That's the beginning of the sexually transmitted demon is the fuck. It's, it's the. Bronson uh, died, but he didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This is ballsy. That's actually Alex Winters in the crowd of car. Oh That's man. That's crazy. Uh, We'll talk about the director Michael Winter coming up uh, a little bit, but uh, the, not the most um, caring for his actors. Yeah. And you'll notice somebody else will. So, in there are from page to screen. This brings us to the movie we're watching today, mm-hmm. Death Wish Three, which sort of tosses out the pretense of trying to have a plot and just goes for absolute carnage. Whoa. And this movie delivers on on all ends. So, critics generally found nothing redeeming about Death Wish 3, and the release was reportedly rushed into theaters to capitalize on an actual 1984 subway vigilante outing that uh, there was a shooting that took place in New York City where four men attempted to mug uh, Bernard Getz, and I'm probably mispronouncing the name. Um, So, they rushed to open this movie in theaters uh, because Canon was just unscrupulous in capitalizing on things. Uh, You're you're a little younger than me. Do you remember the the, the Subway Vigilante? Um, 
it was before, you know, my time, but I, it was a big moment in pop culture where this mild-mannered white man guns down a handful of black dudes in the subway, and he got away with it. But there's always been controversy surrounding it where they they may believe that a, a racist element was at at play, but these dudes, they definitely deserve to die. Well, that's hard to say. They they definitely deserve uh, to be punished, but they, they probably didn't deserve to be murdered. Yeah. So, and Canon being the, the auteurs of entertainment that they are, they're like, well, high fuck, class, we've, got to, we've got to get this movie in the theaters because vigilanteism is in the minds of the, the mm-hmm. you know, the... It's the, on the rise, guys. It's, on the, it's popular. It's popular. Let's cash in. <laughs> Let's cash in on I that wonder, <laughs> This guy's apartment is so, like, I'm sure on VHS you never noticed, that's totally a picture of Babe Ruth and Patton above his damn fireplace. Uh, and I don't know why. Uh, uh, do you not have a... No, I just, over just sitting around. Nah, man. Uh, any I keep it framed in my Bible. You know me. Any, any red-blooded American <laughs> should have a picture of General Patton. I will, but it'll be George C. Scott because I would get confused. And George C. Scott was so amazing. As God, we love we love George C. Scott here on the podcast. We do. One, gen- he shows up a lot. Genuinely, one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, actually, I, I, I'm currently bidding, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a movie called Hardcore mm-hmm. that he was in, like, the early 80s. Um, uh, it's, it's not really a horror movie, but it's sort of like a thriller, and it's him, he has a... With that title, I never would have guessed. Oh, it's a movie about pornography. Oh, hell yeah. And, and... I'm down, let's review it. Yeah, he... <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not really a. It is a sleazy movie, but it's not like a super sleazy movie. George Scotson. It's got to be some kind of classy. It, it's it, he. He makes uh, sensitive subject matter more palatable. It's like Men That Cowboy, or well, I mean, it's not like an NC seventeen. You know that movie won awards. Okay, it did win awards, but uh, Hardcore is sort of a, a semi-forgotten movie. But George C. Scott is good in everything he's ever been in. I know we're getting a little off topic. Have you ever seen the movie <laughs> Angus? From the nineties, mm, no. Okay, its biggest claim to fame is that uh, Green Day had a song on the soundtrack called J A R Jason and yeah. Have a really good song. Um, but Angus is is a story about a, an outcast. He's a fat kid. Kathy Bates is his mom, but his it's grandpa my story. His yes, <laughs> <laughs> but but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but George C. Scott is his grandfather, and and it is my life story. Is, Holy and, crap! And George, George C. Scott, you know, is sort of like the motivating force for this like fat kid to be like, you know, fuck it, you know, you're you know, live your life and and do what you want to do. Oh, yeah, you know, don't be don't be like anchored down by the expectations of society. And his character, George C. Scott, <coughs> excuse me. His character isn't George C. Scott, but George C. Scott playing the character um, is engaged to this much younger woman. So at the midpoint of the movie, George C. Scott is going to marry this young woman. Mm-hmm. And then on the day of his wedding, George C. Scott dies. And this like carefree 90s movie is all of a sudden hit with like, oh, fuck. Your parents, your grandparents are going to die. It's it's a good movie. What the hell? It's, it's available on Tubi for free. I really, uh, I think you should check it the out. Day of my daughter's wedding. If for no other reason than George C. Scott gives an incredible performance. At what does he not? I mean. Well, that's true. Like, even in like bad movies, and, and objectively, you know, Angus is not going to win any Academy Awards, 
but he elevates. Really had Green Day in it. <laughs> well, <laughs> they were hot in the nineties. They were. <laughs> so I, I I love that. <clears throat> Even though this is a real stretch of land, I, I this this looks like a set. Um, I is I was going to ask you: Is this a fucking the, that street right here? Is this a real area or is this a set on a my, back studio? My understanding that this is a real area that they just dingied up. He really named the killer. <laughs> Jesus, he really moved. <laughs> I can't, I can't Which say. is funny because the character of Paul Kersey <laughs> is probably not as old as actually Charles Bronson is. And the giggler is that he laughs at people when he runs away from them after he's like yeah. stabbed them and stole their stuff. So. The through, the through line of this is that Paul Kersey doesn't have to be a vigilante in the sense of like up close and personal or an action hero mm-hmm. in the traditional sense of like an Arnold or, you know, a, a, is uh, he, well, would you say that he's like pre diehard Bruce Willis? I mean, he's supposed to be the every man. The, but in extraordinary circumstances, well, and he rises to the occasion. He he becomes superhuman by, like, yeah. by this movie. But yeah, in, this movie especially. But in the first movie, um, which it's really just it's it's a it's a strong acting role. It's it's a a bleeding heart liberal who sort of has an idealized version of the world and then gets hit with the reality of like mm-hmm. you know everything isn't sunshine and rainbows so oh, he, sucks, dude. he he adapts a little more of you know I, I dare, dare would even call it a alt right attitude and you know and and deals out justice with a gun he's not bleeding heart liberal I don't believe you oh he does he <laughs> he does have that aspect to him prior to his wife and his his child being okay. brutalized so here we see he's setting up the P.O. box, right? So he bought a P.O. box. Federal offense, by okay. the way. Okay. Who the fuck is mailing him the shit throughout this movie? Because it gets more and more insane as the phone goes on. Like, there's no way a rocket launcher's <laughs> going to fit in a P.O. box. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and I love the, like, he buys the car just for this, this, that's beautiful. I love that so much. Um, this is actually one of the plot points that comes from <clears throat> the sequel to Death Wish, mm. written by Brian Garfield, which is Death Sentence, unrelated to the, the film starring Kevin Bacon, which is loosely adapted. But in the in the book of Death Sentence, one of the things he uses is he rents cars mm. and leaves them out, waiting for people to come and prey upon them just so fucking shoot them. <laughs> it's, it's it's smart if you really think about it. I That's love, entrapment! I love <laughs> But it, but it does it work? I mean, there's a there's there like a show based on trap cars or something like that. I've seen lizard it. lick towing. <laughs> 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 yes, I, th- I think I know what you're talking about. I think you know what you're talking about. But um, let's my do- dad cameras inside the cars and everything. Yeah. I love this pulls out a little 38 special. I've got one with a three inch barrel myself. Uh, Open carry in Tennessee. What do you think about that? Um, I, with I, licenses, I, I'm I'm fine with you carrying your gun uh, as you see it necessary. <laughs> uh, if you are a law-abiding citizen, <laughs> you know me. Uh, I like to rob people. Um, as somebody who works in a, a haunted house on a day-to-day basis, and who has oh, had geez. one of his actors have yeah. a gun pulled on him, yeah, I can say that. Um, fuck you for having your guns out in public. <laughs> Hold um, on. One of the best scenes in the movie. 
What's the problem? It's my car. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to die. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, some of the dialogue in this film is atrocious. It's my car. You get no, you gonna die. <laughs> you gonna die. <laughs> and just walks back. It's like, I love how casual. All right. And he goes back to dinner. Yep. <laughs> This this actor, like, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I did very limited research for this movie because these side characters don't no. fucking mean. I anything. love that they introduce every single person that lives in this damn apartment complex, but none of them really matter. But the the character that is sort of, uh, I'm going to say the accomplice, but who's like sort of becoming tight with Paul Kersey's character, he's a, a poor man's Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. And yeah. um, I will tell you that this movie boasts not one, but two uh, people who would go on to have either small and or big roles in Star Trek The Next Generation, my favorite series of all time. But the, the gentleman, the Ernest Borgnine-looking motherfucker, he plays an admiral in, in one episode. And the young lady... Plunger, why is there a random guy, like, I understand axes... And chains and shot. There's a guy just walking around with a plunger right there. They kill that guy. All right. If you were, if you were in a gang, and you were wanting to instill fear on somebody, I'm more of a kiss on a brother. Okay, I understand gang. All right. If you're if you're if you're if you're, if you're, a, if you're a fucking winner concert and you want to assert dominance and you bring a plunger. Okay. And, and and you're confident about it. Somebody's gonna be like, "What Go the Kingston?" <laughs> This, <laughs> derail. This Sorry. this young lady is Marina Sirtis. She She's would, very pretty. She would go on to play. She Count- looks like Paul Stanley in the Circus of Sirtis. <laughs> Look at her. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Her tits are a little nicer and a way a lot hey, less. Paul has a nice ass though. He has a way nicer. Random right on child. That's what I call this kid throughout the film. First time he shows up and it's for literally just this. Right. And then on. he shows up through more scenes for no reason. Just uh, to be there. No. His reason for being there is to go right on. <laughs> That's why if you have right on child is what I call him throughout the rest of the film. But but this young lady, Marina Sanders, mm-hmm. she would go on to play uh counselor <clears throat> Anna Troy on seven seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation. There you go. She's everybody's least favorite character on that show. It's okay. not It's not her fault. It's not that she's not a capable actor. They're not show her rack in Next Generation because she has a very nice rack. She does not. <gasps> she. Well, that's probably what it Oh, no, she has a great rack. It. They do not show it because it was a, uh, a, a, show a, a syndicated TV show at the time. You want to boost ratings? Come on! Um, for the longest time, oh, I'll have oh God, I'll don't, have you know, don't get Star Trek, it. Star Trek The Next it's Generation still not as good was as the SG one. Uh, but it was the most successful syndicated show of all time until Baywatch came along. So, well, and you know what Baywatch had titties, yeah. But they were on they, but they were still covered though. I mean, kind of one piece bikinis. If if they really wanted to up their game, they would you know they would have had Pamela Anderson running around with two piece. That's true. What the fuck was this guy walking through before he came in here? Uh, this area is just very dirty. That dirty? Yeah. And look how, like, does he hop? Because that's not the way that somebody walks. <laughs> Those are spread out. Like, it looks like he's hopping. That is very much like uh, like a Looney Tunes yeah. uh, <laughs> showing. Of, I, I I love these. And there's a Looney Tunes way to finish the problem. Um, this is. At me. This is pre-Home Alone. 
and these these setups to like to prevent. He straight up does this in Home Alone with the stairs. Yeah, the exact same trap. Yeah, and uh, zoom in on the painting for no reason. I know, being a, a, a fellow Joe Bob fan, have uh-huh. you seen Dial Code for Santa Claus? Yes, that was literally Home Alone, but not. Yeah. And That's they com- literally Home Alone. They completely ripped that movie off. Yes, but, they did. But there's, That's a good movie ele- too. but there's elements in this movie uh, that show kind of the the idea of like you know Kevin McAllister was a big Death Wish fan. Uh, you know what? You talking about dressing uh, the way Paul Kersey does? I will buy you a black turtleneck if you can get you know, start wearing a leather jacket all the time or a red turtleneck. There we go. Dress like that every day. I don't. I don't know that the pencil thin mustache would really suit me. Come on, we let's try it. I have. I, I, as someone who's able to grow luxurious facial hair. But you can't grow that head of hair. Look how beautiful that is. That, that, well, I think what he's, is he, Italian? I, I'm pretty, he's Lithuanian. We'll, Jeez. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit uh, later on. Uh, before we get into that, why don't you read the synopsis of Death Wish 3, just so what <coughs> little plot there is we can figure <coughs> it out. Death Wish 3. Charles Bronson brings out the heavy artillery in this guns-blazing, no-holds-barred thriller. Paul Kersey, Bronson... Longs to leave his fighting days behind him, but when he arrives in New York to visit an old friend, he finds him gasping for breath and a pool of blood. Now the silent Avenger must wage war once more on the city's punks, thugs, and hoodlums. That's about as loose as you fucking get with a story. Shows up, guys, dead. Let's kill everybody. And uh, Fat Tony, you give me shit every episode, every single episode. That's how you read. Whoa. <laughs> right, I'm gonna drink a shot to that. <laughs> he like uh, your newest episode. He stumbled like four times. You were laughing at him. I'm like, what's going on? To be fair, that's not his to be fault. Fair? When when I <clears throat> when I wrote out the synopsis oh, in our notes, no reason you couldn't I, understand your writing, huh? Well, I typed it, but I <laughs> but I didn't do a good job. <laughs> oh shit! So now we have the introduction of Paul Kersey's love interest for this movie. Um, dead bitch number two. Yeah. Or I guess this would make her dead bitch number three in the series. <laughs> she goes out in the dumbest way, too. <laughs> oh, man. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the director of this movie, Michael Winter. Um, he, he's, he had a somewhat of a, I won't say prestigious, but he was a, a respected director before he made the Death Wish sequels. Um, <sighs> But you know, you you have uh, a, a situation where you know you need you need work, so you take what's available to you. He did an excellent '70s haunted house film called The Sentinel. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it, it's, yeah, it's really good. Christopher Walken was in it. <coughs> he was also in The Deer Hunter with Robert De Niro, who was in Mad Dog wow. and Glory with Bill Murray. You oh, just got God. busted, and he's. His other claims to fame is that he did several movies with Charles Bronson, including The Mechanic and the first three Death Wish films. Didn't they remake The Mechanic? Like with the they last... did with uh, Jason Statham. Yeah. It's not very good. No. The original Mechanic is an excellent film. It's slow burning. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, uh, Paul, I almost said Paul Kersey, it's a lot of Charles Bronson. It might as well be the same character. It was um, a lot of Charles Bronson setting up the situations before he like assassinates somebody, and I know as modern, soon as he said yes to dinner, her panties dropped halfway to China. Uh, they they disintegrated. No, oh, that's yeah, so fast. 
Yeah. Yeah. They, the the lady lube just they it was too much and they they just they slid off so quick they just This is a scene I really do love. Like it it does build like tension. And there there's nothing even going on. Nothing going on. They just happen to pass each other. Now, uh, ah, like you're dead. Walter, you're dead. Walter Peck's gonna lay the EPA on her. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mister, you were brandishing. See gun. again, the cops show up long after nothing's happened, and they're they're causing problems for the good people. Yeah, so poor, nobody trusts cops in this film. This, by the end of it, this poor little Jewish couple who just you know wants to eat matzo balls and and be left alone. I feel I feel bad for them. But then the third act happens, yep. and then, like, um, you can't really feel bad for anybody because it's just, like, bedlam. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about the, the, the man in question, <clears throat> the, the lord and savior of, you know, pencil-thin mustaches, Charles Bronson as Paul Kersey. Mm-hmm. Long, long career in Hollywood. Um, things you may have seen. Uh, he, was in, he was in House of Wax with Vincent Price. It was one of his yep. first notable roles. Way better than uh, remake. Uh, Twenty. Uh, well, actually, House of Wax in of itself is a remake. It's a remake of the Fay Ray movie um, Mystery at the Wax Museum. So I've never seen that one. It's it's okay. Um, the the my problem with uh, House of Wax is that it, it's front loaded. It has a great beginning and then. And the there. ending, and the, the the second, the second and third act are okay. The third act is is kind of brings everything back together. But when you have such an exciting uh, yeah. first act, it's uh, hard Paul to live that. Yeah, Paul Kurtz is awesome, MacGyver. I thought you said Holy Diver, and I was like, <laughs> what? We're <laughs> that too. Holy Diver. We <laughs> <laughs> don't too long in the midnight sea. <laughs> You, I'm trying to drink. Shut up. Can you can you can you do a Paul Kersey? Uh, no, conference? I cannot. Um, one of one of the more uh, popular uh, interpretations of Charles Bronson over the years has been him drawn in the style of Peanuts, as in like Charlie Brown. I've seen those. And yeah, Charles Charles Bronson. Yeah, is like Linus. <laughs> 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 don't make your don't. I will spit all over this microphone. Lenis. That means two things. I need uh-huh. you to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I can't get it. Yeah, bitch, Lucy. I'm going to. She's going to hold the football this time. I blew her head off with a wheelbie. <laughs> all right. So. Um, he also had a television series called Man with a Camera, 29 episodes. Uh, this is sort of like uh, him kind of getting over the hump. Uh, and then finally, he was Bernardo O'Reilly in The Magnificent Seven. Yep. Fantastic, fantastic movie. One of the greatest movies of all time. He was in Joseph and the Dirty Dozen, another fucking amazing film. So he's showing that he's like an amazing actor. And I feel bad for him. As much as I love the Death Wish films... These are not acting roles. This is this is a person standing in and saying one lighters. Um, this is this is Arnold's career before Arnold um, really became. It. And we have the giggler stealing something, and he's going to get away with it. And you know we have a sixty fucking year old uh, uh, Charles Bronson trying to run. <laughs> he's doing his best. Could you run that long? I sure as hell couldn't. 
He went like two whole blocks before he gave up. Yeah, the magic of editing can make amazing things happen. I love that line. This wildy friends of yours can catch this guy? Yeah. Oh, yes, we can. Uh, the, the, the wildy... Uh, <coughs> the gun. The gun. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about Oh, look. It. <laughs> getting dropped off at your regular P.O. box. And, and and if you notice, the 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 comment you made earlier about, like, how's that going to fit in a post office box? Well, it doesn't go in Never the box. Never one time does he ever get anything out of there again. He gets to drop stuff off at the desk. There it is. Fucking look Will at he? that thing. It's the size of an elephant's dick. It's enormous. <laughs> <laughs> More stopping power, though. <laughs> <laughs> 44 Magnum is a pistol cartridge. 475 will be Magnum is a shorter version of the African big game cartridge. Makes a real mess. Yeah, as in, like, when you shoot somebody with that, they cease to be, like, cohesive. Their, atom, their, their atoms get scattered across the universe. Uh, it's the closest thing to breaking reality. Okay, we we, we got to jump in right here, because this is a point of contention, uh, not so much in the series, but with the actress Marina Sirtis, who is... Titties! And we've got our first titties of the movie, so that puts us at one titty this lady. This old lady just swinging at him. <laughs> Come on, get the fuck out of here. We're going to rape this woman. So, Marina Sirtis, um, she has been very complimentary about getting the role on Star Trek The Next Generation because it allowed her not to take roles like this. Uh-huh. She has been very, very damning of... Michael Winter, who directed the movie, who, during the scene in which she's getting raped, and she was in a previous movie of his where she's also topless, where it's shot in this, like, cold-ass uh, environment, mm-hmm. and and he would not let the crew put a blanket on her to cover her tits up. He's like, <laughs> I got the hard. I need you naked so I can light the scene properly on this dirty mattress on the floor. Um, I know a little bit about filmmaking, and to be, to be fair with you, I've never been a director, I've never been on a film set, but I've you know been doing this podcast long enough, and my fandom of film has been long enough to where mm-hmm. I've seen enough behind-the-scenes makings of films to understand how hard it is to light something, but in between takes... You're full of shit. She absolutely could have been covered up. Well, it's just like, uh, was it? Which Friday is it? Where the the chick in the damn lake, and it was like that's uh, final. Tra- that's final chapter with yeah. it's Ju- uh, Jody Aronson or Judy Aronson. Basically, Ted was like, "If you don't cover her up right now, I'm walking off set." And that's mm-hmm. the only reason they took her out and warmed her up. Yeah, well, I mean, she was in a cold lake, and they're shooting in like... All right, this is the dumbest shit in any movie I've seen recently. She's expired. She had a broken arm. The arm was broke way worse than we thought it was. They they make a point to tell, <laughs> to, to tell you she's fine. You just told me she had a broken arm. The and, arm is badly and, injured. <laughs> there were broken blood vessels. Some clots and, came free. It, it's, it's not entirely out of the realm of believing, but why would you give these characters false hope yep. just to take it away from them, to make the movie more impactful, why they need to take back their community because women are getting raped, mugged, and brutalized at, at every turn. 
we haven't really talked about this this gang, which is like borderline cult. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I love the way seventies and eighties gangs movies. Like the way they're dressed is my favorite thing in the world. Like I could dress if I could afford to. I dress like that every day. Would you? Would you? I'm paint, already halfway there. Would you paint two lines with a slash through? No, it I'd go full on like animal from fucking the Road Warriors. What are you talking about? If you're gonna put some makeup on, do it the right way. There is a a company called Death Wish that makes. Uh, yes, <laughs> but there is a company that makes um, skateboards, and their logo is the the two lines oh, that's cool. from this movie. And uh, I'm gonna go get some ice cream. Oh, that <laughs> he bought this camera just so bait. just so he can uh, bait someone into shooting them. That's going beyond like, hey, I want to prevent crime. I'm going to create. A, I'm going to create a scenario where crime can occur, so oh, I can shoot someone. He knows they're going to take it, so might as well let's show it off. And I don't know that it's necessarily emasculating, but there is something that sort of hurts the character for me <laughs> of seeing. The most badass of Charles Bronson characters, right on, kid. Eating, eating an ice cream bar, even though that it is a means to an end to shoot you don't somebody. Like ice cream? I love ice cream, but I'm not Charles Bronson. This is the wow. thing again. Tell me, this doesn't this doesn't ruin the mystique of him just a tad? No, that's why he has that mustache, a flavor saver. <laughs> Okay, he likes ice cream. Yeah, when he's going down on Jill Ireland. There you go. Man, the fucking giggler, the way they frame him in this, like, <laughs> look at him. He, he's, he's, his, his excitement boner is through the fucking, he's like, he's That's breaking what, the bridge of his We pants. call that cocaine. Okay, how do you think he runs so fast? And, you on this? and he's getting shot by a gun bigger than an elephant's dick. And there's Boom! no, I love there's no recoil any time throughout this film. Eh. Well, Elderly, frail Charles Bronson, if shooting a gun like that, would probably fall to the ground. I love this. Everybody, yeah! Yeah! Fuck that guy! Murder! <laughs> let's, let's all stand It's like up. a scene from Rent. They're all hanging out the windows. Yeah! AIDS! Whoa. That's the Rent story. It is the Rent story. They killed, they killed the giggler, man! They killed him! Let's do a shot to the giggler. <laughs> Kobe Kingston. Smoking a cigarette. We're going to do a shot to the giggler. <laughs> the greatest minor character in exploitation film history. I hate um, his hair so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my shot with you because okay. we're, we're getting a, we're getting a low <laughs> on alcohol. To the, to the giggler. <laughs> Why are we drinking to a fucking... A rapist? A rapist slash murderer Thief slash guy. thief. I love like get the fuck away from here, pig! I'm glad he's dead. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> That's my favorite minor character. That old lady right there, her and her moo moo, just out front of the street trying to fight off cops. And I love this line. Okay, he's bleeding out of the mouth and has a hole in his chest. It's not like he was eaten. <laughs> this isn't Ghost in the Darkness. It's like how, it's a gunshot. I was like, how how are things around here? Like obviously they're great <laughs> because there's a dead body on the street. Cover up a blanket. You'll be all right. Must all right. To the giggler. To the giggler. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's resume. Uh, some Dead other things that Charles Bronson is known for. 
uh, the mechanic. Once upon a time in the West. I, I, why haven't you mentioned that? I was from the first thing you mentioned. Um, I was thankful enough to be able to expose you to this movie. You never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's personally my favorite western. Um, I know that's a, it's a tall order, but but it's his performance. His performance because it's so minimalist, and it's just him playing a harmonica. Uh, with Terry Funk's uh, entrance music, mind you, it's such a it's such a good movie. It's in my top five westerns. It, it I ha- love westerns. It has a great atmosphere to it. Yeah, and, it and, it's, and it's all because they utilize Charles Bronson in such an awesome way. Every single shot in that film could have been a fucking painting. Oh, it's it's it's, it's a gorgeous. magnificent piece of cinema. And then we have uh, the White Buffalo, which has come under Ted fire. Nugent? The, the Great White Buffalo. Oh, sorry. The White Buffalo, which is a Charles Bronson film, which has come under fire because Charles Bronson is playing a Native American, as as he does in Chato and Chino. <laughs> no, I was going to say something I'm not going to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my personal favorites, 10 to Midnight, which I I have been I've wanted to show you for quite a while, but our schedules don't line up very often. We've got to watch Ten to Midnight. We've got it. It is a next month, and then I'll be busy for four weekends, and then I got like three weeks off again. It's a it's a horror film, but it's also an, like sort of an action suspense thriller, and it's about this serial killer that's being tracked down by Charles Bronson, and. 10 to Midnight is sort of like a reference to the Apocalypse Clock, you know, back in the day. But but the idea being that he's the embodiment of sort of the the ills of society and, you know, the fear is so palpable that, you know, we've got 10 minutes to midnight before you get murdered by by this killer. But it's a really... Who plays the killer? Huh? Who plays the killer? Well, you'll have to watch the movie to find oh, out. Oh, so it's, it's a whodunit thing? Well, I mean, you 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 know, you see who the killer is, uh, and he's very smart oh, in shit. the way. And just like that, kiss of death, she's screwed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Here, gonna get high. Do, some, do some drugs, because this is the only way I'm going to be able to get you to agree to go up against Bronson. <laughs> He'll murder you, aside, <clears throat> aside from the fact that you're black... <clears throat> You are in a Charles Bronson movie, and you are in an urban environment. Charles Look Bronson has a gun that has a heat-seeking bullet that will blow through you so and quick. apparently leave nothing left. Not much left of this. What do you yeah. think about the, the, the main villain of this movie? I hate haircut? him so much. I hate the haircut so much. If he would just been shaved bald, it would have been way better. It's, but like, it's it, almost oh. it's almost Road Warrior Hawk. Shout out to Wrestling but Ruined, my wrestling podcast. But it's, it's his worse. hair, his it's hair so is too worse. long because he all he. In addition to having the, he shaved, looks like Opie got like in trouble. <laughs> got like he like did that freak out from How May Your Mother and shaved down the middle of his head and was like, "I'm done." It, it bothers me so much. And this entire scene coming up is so dumb. (laughs) I love that, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the movie hinges on the athletic prowess of Charles Bronson. And there's a lot of like intercut shots of him 
slowly running away from from people shooting at him. The bullets are scared out of respect for Bronson, okay? (laughs) They do not want to hit him. (laughs) All right, let's let's talk more about his career. Um, He did The Evil That Men Do, Murphy's Law, which is is genuinely a really good movie. I got it on VHS. I I found it at a... a, um, a, uh, Can you still a, own it on VHS? I do. I found it at a Goodwill not long oh ago, God. and it really holds up. It's one of his better films. I think it was canon. I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to say it's canon. It might as well be a canon movie, but it's one of the better premises he had for a canon movie. He actually gets to act a little bit in it. He protects a, a woman throughout the film, and it's it's a good movie. Um, this guy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Med- Flashlight way back here. Knife way out here. <laughs> Both of them are doing it. And stab. <laughs> Karate. <laughs> he does good. Ah, he stabbed him in his neck. He's almost as good as Dolomite. Um, Messenger of Death, <clears throat> um, which is a better, which is a better movie than it should be. Um, and I'm gonna butcher this name. Kinjente. Um, uh, it's a movie about human trafficking. It's also a that's the name of the movie. I have it on the uh, Blu-ray. It's a, it's a it's a really good movie. But the highlight of that movie is that he makes a pimp eat his own wristwatch. It comes back to bite him like later on in the film. But like he's like he holds a gun to him. He's like you're gonna eat your own fucking watch if you. <laughs> Great. And so the movie's called Kunta Kinte. Gotcha. Kinch- Kinjente. It's a, it's about um, Asian human trafficking. Oh, okay. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but probably Kinjite, Kinjente. It's a it's a good movie. It's all yours. Go he, get it. Okay, okay. No way that that was Bronson doing that, right? Well, he's doing it right here. And like, look at this dude, Holland. Well, he is on cocaine. Never mind. He's uh he's got medics. Po- possibly um, PCP, which mm. is the supervillain drug. Have I ever told you my my uh, the way I want to die? No. <laughs> if I were to ever get a <laughs> a terminal disease, this is how I want to. I hate go. tell you, but well, everybody's going to die. But if I were going to get a terminal disease, you know what I would do? I would do <clears throat> an insane amount of PCP, and I want to dress as the Hamburglar. And I want to rob, I want to rob a McDonald's. I want to rob a McDonald's, and I want to be, and I'm not going to, st- I'm going to take money from them. I'm only going to steal hamburgers, and I want, and I want to get gunned down. But I want to keep coming because I'm so high on PCP. You will, dude. Like, oh god, love this obvious mannequin is obvious. Boom, and his body the next time he showed it is in a totally different like stance. Um, there's Wildy. <clears throat> um, while we're on the subject, I, I have seen a guy. There was footage, like I remember, it was oh, one of those famous cops footage things. It was like this dude was really messed up. He was on meth, PCP, and I think um, not co- uh, cocaine or something else. But like he was fucked up. He was butt cough, naked. Cough drops. And they they shot him like four or six times. Like two people hit tasers. He just kept coming. Dude was wobbling, but he wouldn't now, fall down. Now, ama- now imagine that of a man dressed <laughs> like a hamburger. <laughs> you will be in history books. I know. I could be the guy who gets the hamburger canceled from popular culture. I he's, mean, he might as well already be. He's the world's most notorious meat thief. <laughs> <laughs> 
just makes guts spit everywhere. Now get by my nose, you asshole. This is freaking Perrier. Ah! I am... I'm drunk enough right now for that to be extra funny. <coughs> so... Ah! Charles Bronson's legacy yeah. has lived on beyond him. I'm... I have become a big fan of a gentleman by the name of Robert Bronzy, a.k.a. Oh, yeah, the new fake, Bronson. He's fake, fake Bronson. Bronson. He looks exactly like him. What do you think about him? He looks exactly like him. It's like you, showed, you sent me a picture, and I thought it was Bronson. I was like, what movie is this? And he's like, oh, this is a new one coming out. I was like, he's, dude, he's dead. And like, oh, this, no, this is a different guy. I was like, no way! Uh, I, I've... I've seen a couple of his films. Um, one of them was a slasher movie, and I have it, and I can't remember what it's called. Of course, you have it. It's somewhere over here. It's so fucking bad. But he also made um, a film called Death Kiss, which is basically just a sequel Death to Wish. Death Wish, and it's okay. It's it's almost a good movie, almost. And then he made a he made a a, a western, which is sort of in the vein of. Um, once Upon a Time in the West, and it's decent, and he's not a good actor. I mean, shout out, shout out to Robert Bronzy because I'm very, <laughs> I'm very happy with what you're doing. Um, but a lot of times he's dubbed in movies, and you're not really getting his performance because he's he's foreign. His accent is very Why very. Why shoot at spaghetti western style? Everybody speaks their own language and then dub over it afterward. Well, that's kind of what they're doing. That's <laughs> it's not good. Damn. That's kind of what they're doing with him. He has a movie coming out, and um, it's a, it was supposed to have come out a long time ago called Assault <laughs> Assault on Hellblock Thirteen. And not Cellblock Thirteen. Hellblock Thirteen. Okay, and I'm very excited. Okay, about that movie. one of the dumbest, most amazing things ever in this film. Yeah, he brought it. He was just allowed to bring it home after the war. Thirty you know? caliber Browning. <laughs> Uh, a fucking belt-fed machine gun. Yeah, they decided to bring it home. You know, like it's a side piece, like a knife. It's okay. When you serve your country... <laughs> I come from a military family. I, I know what they're allowed to bring home. They're not allowed to bring this. I, I would hope that if you've served your country <laughs> in the way that fake er, Ernest Borgnine obviously has, that he would get to keep this machine gun oh that, that would only be usable oh no, it's not in his. a gang war. It was, it was the dead fish guy at the beginning, their friend. <laughs> the it friend, was his gun because the, this guy doesn't even know how to load the motherfucker. It's what gets his ass whipped Okay, later. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, but the guy who dies at the beginning, who is friends with Paul Kersey, would Dead know how to. Guy. Who would know you? Who would know how to use that? Simply because he has been around Paul Kersey. That's true. But so is he, but he didn't roll off him apparently. <laughs> and that guy has a picture of Patton above his fireplace. Can't even load a machine gun. I know. That's I know. It's bullshit. Shame. How dare you, you piece of shit? It's bullshit. <laughs> you did not shoot them. You did not. Oh hi, oh, hi, Paul Kersey. <laughs> oh, hi, Paul. Okay, here we go. Bitch about to die. Do you know where um, Charles Bronson got the name Charles Bronson? I have no idea, but I'm excited to find out. Okay, so let me get my, into my notes here. Uh, he was born Charles Dennis Buchinski, um, but he reportedly took his name... Bronson from the Bronson Gate at Paramount Studios. Oh! So because there's Bronson Avenue, Bronson Street. That's pretty I can't cool. remember. Um, but, it, it, you know, it, it, it back in those days, having an ethnic-sounding name, I guess, was like a little... Like Kai Hivitz? 
You know who that is? Yeah, Gene Simmons. You mean I'm wearing a fucking mean, kiss shirt. So what's Gene Simmons' American name? Gene Simmons. Nope. Gene <laughs> Klein is his American name when he came over here. Uh, nobody cares about him before hey. he made music. Well, I mean, there's I've an Andy Bobby film right now. I don't have to see it. Expectations. <laughs> I was saying that to my wife. Oh, man. He fucked her so good, she smiled. And now she's got to die. Yeah, I mean, look, look, you got your nut off. Yeah. And you've achieved a level of nirvana, not the band, but the, but the, but the, <laughs> the, no, the, she would have killed herself the, then. The, the result is the same. You're going to you're gonna have okay. your head blown off. So you think maybe this is a gift from God, like they're allowed to sleep with Bronson and they know that'll be the best moment of their life, so now they got to die. So God's yeah. like just wiping them off? Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah, because he fucks good. <laughs> What are you blunt about it, man? You don't have a mustache like that. If you you use your mouth in a twenty dollar whore. Like that's my lady style he, reference for the, the he episode. Fucked her, he fucked her in every hole, <coughs> for including yeah, ones that weren't even yeah, yet. Like I mean, thirty minute intervals in all holes, and now they're gonna go eat something. Now I know, like, and she's gonna she's gonna eat the, the, her final meal. There's about to be like an. There's a huge, and the first two, like, it's it's a shame. Oh, they're dead. He has a motion reaction. Watch what happens when he realizes she's dead in this one. Because it is my favorite thing in the film, other than that, that cheetah imprint on side of that guy, the bad guy's car. I would kill to have that inside my car. Here we go. Okay, well, he's going spent, to get his mail. If you spent your money wisely, you can have cheetah imprint in your car. Bree, you're hearing it here. Yeah, Bree. She never listens, so I'm getting away. If you don't respond to this within the next two weeks, I'm stripping out the interior on both cars. <laughs> Zebra stripe in one, cheetah print on the other. I'll let them pick. I've always said. All right, she smiles. That. He smiles. He's going to get a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is. Bam! <laughs> and you're dead. Here we go. Now watch his reaction. In the first two movies, it's an emotional thing when he realizes his love interest is Listen, dead. Listen, if you've had two women, but, like two significant others oh, die, oh, you're probably going to expect it by the oh, third time. And, and the for car, no reason. Here we go. If you can't... Oh, and oh. the car she's in doesn't even... Okay, no, no, For no reason, though. He, like, walks up. <laughs> yep. It, that bitch is dead. Um, Maybe if you went and got her, she would just be slightly singed. He turns around. The Indian in the, the trash commercial, when the trash hits his feet, <laughs> oh, by had the, more emotion. That would be Iron Man's Cody, who's actually... Not a, Indian? Not Indian. <laughs> He's Italian. And that's why we can't have Ernest Goes to Camp on streaming services. All right. Thank you, cancel culture. I hate people. All right. That's the most reaction and emotion you're going to get out of Charles fucking Bronson. The bitch he's, is dead. You need to lay low. Oh, he's, lay low. He, he's hardened by this point. If your wife and or, and or L.A. girlfriend had been murdered <sighs> in horrific fashion, you I would probably, be living on a houseboat like Captain Ron, living <laughs> the high life. Being a beach bomb. I wasn't expecting there to be a Captain Ron. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with me, man. You fed me alcohol. This is what happens. Oh, All man. Right. 
Come on, mister, get in the car. Oh, we're gonna now we're going to burn down this. Look at this. It's just on the outside. And then that one tackle. Boom! I love the, uh, the cops are holding you back. Like, listen. We know you can't go in there. There's no fire department there at all. Where your, your businesses and or homes <laughs> are being destroyed. But let's not let you intervene to prevent this. Oh, now there. they're here. Okay. They're just, the, the firefighters in the city are just as useful as the cops. They show up after all the shit has went down. Charles Bronson was one of fifteen. Was, was one of fifteen children. Jeez, I know he was. Uh, Get off of her. He was the child of a Lithuanian <laughs> immigrant turned coal miner. There we go. And he worked himself as a coal miner for a short time, but he would list and serve in the Air Forces. Thank you so much for your service. I've got the black gun pop. Um, and he was a gunner in World War Two. So Bronson was? He was. Holy I, shit. Salute, salute. Well, no you, wonder sir. he didn't cry about anything. <laughs> after after, after the war, he would ba- he sort of bounced between odd jobs, and he would uh, do a few things for a Philadelphia theater company. He would paint scenery for them, but he got the acting bug, so he would leave. He's got a gun. There we go. California. He has the damn bullets loaded backwards. <laughs> If you're gonna pull a gun look, look, on a gang of violent criminals, look, make sure the damn thing shoots. Look, and that's why he's hitting the women. <laughs> oh, dude, I feel so bad for the stump forming right here. Because, like, those, those are all iron stairs, man. Wow! <laughs> Kofi! <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to watch this movie now without that's thinking Kofi about Kofi Kingston. Kingston. Um,. Charles Bronson would go on to pursue an acting career in the late 40s. Bronson would consistently work for years, but he wouldn't be until his, like his mid-40s before he became like an A-list actor. And unfortunately, he would pass away at the age of 81 um, from a combination of things, but the underlying factor was lung cancer. He's a big Fuck smoker. Can- God. Big smoker. Fuck cancer. Bronson's I mean- legacy... Remains as the greatest greatest vigilante of film. I'm going to stand by that, and you could say Batman and all and all that stuff. But Batman, uh, Batman really, Batman really isn't a vigilante. Are we under the list right now? Let's do our list, and we'll we'll bounce we'll bounce back and forth. What is your number five top five vigilante films? I'm going to cheat, not including Death Wish, but that's okay. Yeah. Because I was like, I didn't include any of the Dutch Wish films because I thought that was a given. I'm going with the John Wick series for number five. T- technically not a vigilante, but I'm going to give he's it to you. He's an assassin. He's an assassin, so he's paid for what he does. So, but I'm going to give it to you because those movies are awesome. But the first one, he's not. I mean, the first one is pure vigilante justice because they killed his dog. And um, <laughs> shout out uh, to the guys from Key and Peele for making that movie Keanu, which is... <laughs> I've never... I, I own they're it. very hit and miss with me. I own it somewhere on my... They have jokes that like like literally make me double over laughing, and there's other jokes that I'm just like... Keanu is not a good movie, but there are a couple mm. of really funny parts in it. All right, it. you're number five, boss. Um, number five... Uh, which is a film called Fighting Back. It's from 1982. Tom Skerritt has his family... Tom Skerritt? Tom Skerritt has his family brutalized. And he assembles like a neighborhood watch. And, of course, they go way too far. There's lots of subtext about the justification of violence. <coughs> and racism is handled in an interesting mm-hmm. way. 
Um, it's a really good movie. I highly recommend it. So, um, Fighting Back would be number five on my list. All right, my number four. I, it's not a good movie, but for some reason, I watch it at least once a year. I don't know why. The Substitute with John Berenger and Ernie Hudson. God damn it. I love, I love that movie I love, so much. I love Tom Berenger, and even though Treat Williams is in all the sequels, yeah. and he's the poor man's Tom Berenger. <laughs> yes. How I much, love The Substitute. How much do you love Major League? I watch it at least once every three or four months. Because any movie that has both Corbin Burnson and Tom Berenger in it, in it has to be a masterpiece. Yeah. And then I also like The Substitute. I love The Substitute. And like, it was the one I didn't know where to put it on my list, and it actually knocked off a film because I was like... Well, what did it knock off? Boondock Saints. Ah, fuck that movie. I know you hate that film. That's why I didn't throw it in there. But it's my... Well, number you. three is the move that and we're going we'll to argue over. Go ahead. My, my number four is Savage Streets. <laughs> it has a mute Linnea Quigley, and she's right. So Quigley. Linda Blair exacts yeah. revenge. It's Death Wish with a female yeah. protagonist. It's Linda and fucking Blair. It's directed by Danny Steinman, the, the sleazy director of Friday 13th, a, final, um, a New Beginning, <clears throat> part five. All the titties. So many titties. Yeah, before he's... You get... <clears throat> good movie, but also in this movie, you get to see Linnea Quigley naked, which is like every movie. Back when oh, she was fucking that. prime and Linnea... Linnea, I know you who... Don't you just want to blur naked, too? There's like a bath scene? She's naked in that... I don't know what she's about. She's naked in that movie, and, and she's mute, and it's one of her best yeah. performances. But I know Linnea, I have reached out to her a couple of times about doing... Um, this podcast, and she's turned it down because she doesn't understand technology, and it the, breaks yeah, it breaks my Skype heart thing. because oh. she could not figure out how. You to know what record. we need to do? Uh, whenever we do another uh, horror con somewhere around here, and she shows up, we'll talk to her then. If Lene Quigley would do a horror con <clears throat> around here, I would fucking pay for her booth. I'm, I'm telling you that right now, Linnea. I will be your personal handler, both in and outside of the bedroom. <laughs> Dude, I'm, joke, I'm joking. He's not, I'm joking. He's not joking. But I'm not, not joking. If you invited me to your bed, I would absolutely give you the best two, two minutes. Seconds, two, two seconds, not two seconds. I can give her two minutes. The build up alone. The, the respect. The pre-coming already gone. Out of respect, I would give her two minutes. I give her my absolute A game. But, <laughs> but, any, but any woman, but any, any other woman, you're getting. Oh shit! Oh, hold on. The shit's popped off. All hell's broken loose. Yeah. He's got a fucking 30 cal browning machine gun with the fucking uh, the, the belt fed. The brown guy feeding it. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Dude whose wife got raped and died of a broken arm. I, I love how excited everybody, like the normal folks, genuinely get excited. And they all start pulling out their hidden guns. Um, well, at this point, they've been so good. They've been inspired to join she the NRA. She walks out, grabs another one. Yeah, <laughs> this movie should be like sponsored by the NRA. <laughs> well, the citizens running up with their guns to mow down the bad guys. Oh man, oh, this, so good! This, I is love fu- this is fucking. Magical. You miss half the shots because fuck it. <laughs> What's your next movie on your best? Video uh, we're at number three. This is one like I don't. I love the movie. I'm not sure if it's considered a, a, a vigilante film. Law-abiding citizen. You could probably make that argument. He's wiping out he bad de- guys. He definitely has a target. 
And he knows what he's doing. He's highly intelligent. I love that film. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to watch it. Gerard Butler and uh, Jamie Foxx. Incredible. Incredible film. It's, I'm not sure if it's, it's a vigilante film or not. It's a nice piece of exploitation cinema in a day and age where that is less and less. And it's like it's very highbrow too. It's the intelli- It's the thinking man's vigilante film. If, if you, you say, have your pipe and your your, your old bathrobe, if you say smoking so. robe. My number three is William Lustig's vigilante masterpiece, simply known as Vigilante. You got Robert Forrester, God rest his soul. And Fred Williamson, who once judged me in a fucking uh, costume contest, and I didn't win. You're you piece, like Dolly, weren't you? you? You piece of shit. I should have won. I had a hand-built proton pack, you motherfucker. I love you, Fred Williamson. Shaft is the is the shit. Um, it's a great exploitation <laughs> film. So, William Lustig, his film Vigilante, who also did a Maniac Cop series and a few other films. Uh, great movie. We're about to lose another, There's another giant continuity error coming up. He's got a full belt still there and a box still. I like how it's basically he's holding it as if it were his penis. And right there, we're out of ammo. Dude, you just had a whole belt left. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever blown a load. <laughs> you should have at least twice. I don't care how many bullets you got in the how many bullets you got in the fucking chamber. When it's ready to go, hey, they was sometimes things. I'm firing blanks. Okay, thankfully. Yeah, you don't need any more fucking kids. She's fixed. Fifty percent of your kids are okay. <laughs> you Just do leave it there, don't even say who. You do the math. I love this dude's on fire. Ah! Every action movie needs at least one person on fire, needlessly. I think a couple more people get caught on fire here. One of them's a lady. Because, like, you can see she's soaked down with the stuff. Well, that's, movie, that's because this movie's progressive. <clears throat> yeah. Bitches need to die, too, in violent ways. <laughs> what's, your, what's your next movie on your list? Uh, number two, V for Vendetta. I, I'm going to give you that one. Um, oh, that one's the one you're allowed to have? I'm going to let him give you that one because Alan Moore, he's more of a revolutionary, but, de- but definitely uh, it's for a positive end. I, I, my greatest fear is that our world ends up in the situation. You mean like 1984? That, yes. Uh, a a very uh, authoritarian, yeah, uh, you know, re- repressive world. Yeah. I, I need to be able to to watch Death Wish 3 at any time and not be held accountable. Our PC cancel culture is slowly getting us toward that authoritarian well, lifestyle where we can't laugh or like anything because it might offend somebody. Long live well, Mel Brooks. Well, thank you, Mel Brooks. It was just his birthday recently, yep. wasn't it? Yeah. 95. Yeah, 95. Please, please don't ever die. We need and you what's weird is like it was Carl Reiner's birthday the day, but he died like two years ago, and that was his best friend, so it was yeah. really weird. Carl, Carl Reiner, uh, star of Kiss Meets Scooby-Doo. <laughs> 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 okay, my number two is Death Sentence, which is loosely, and I mean loosely, based on Brian Garfield's sequel to Death Wish. Kevin Bacon goes nuts when his son is murdered in a gang initiation. It's the best, the best Death Wish movie not called Death Wish. Have you ever seen? Mm-mm. I highly recommend it. It's directed by James Wan, the same guy who did yeah. the first uh, the uh, first Saw movie. Didn't he do fucking Freddy vs. Jason? No, okay. that's that's another Asian fellow, and you're yeah, racist I for thinking him. another one. I, 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 I hate that. That's one of you. 
I hate him. Ronnie, you? Yes. Okay, well, James Wan, James Wan is a talented director. Yeah. He's done some things I don't care for, but I, I'm i going to send you with a copy of Death Sentence after, okay. after this. You really need to watch it. It's, it's a I good I still haven't movie. watched Demon Knight, and I still have Eddie. Love what you, Eddie. the fuck? How have you I not seen Demon Knight? I haven't watched it yet. Can I watch it? It's so it's good. It's going to piss you off. Demon Knight, Demon Knight, as uh, you can find in the archives, is... Uh, Our next pair of titties? Yeah, so we've got two so far. So we have... Two sets, by Spanish the way. Lady? Marina Sirtis Black Lady and Black Lady. And she's gorgeous. Uh, they're about to do some nefarious things. His shooting here. I love that he gets shot. And flies forward. Four or flies forward. But he's getting shot by Wildy. <laughs> Shouldn't that leave nothing left? Dude, that, in, in all sincerity, that, oh, that, 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 yeah. should, that should blow them apart yeah. where they're unrecognizable. Especially for the gun. They built the gun up so much where it looks like just normal bullet holes. What's your, what's your number two? Uh, I said be Vendetta. Oh, okay. Well, what's your number? One. What's your number one? Say your number one first. Okay, fine. I will do number one first. Taxi Driver. Now, technically, holy shit! I didn't even think about that movie. Technically, Travis Bigel isn't a vigilante. He's a fucked up, sleep deprived loner who snaps. But he does save Jodie Foster at the end of the movie, although there's a point where he very well could have had sex with her and she's a child, but that's, but it is such an incredible movie. And everybody who loves Joker, which is, has a great performance in it, so but it, which is it. not a great movie, you owe so much to this film. Taxi Driver is an incredible film. Marty Scorsese, when he wants to lay it on, is unfucking touchable. Uh, Robert De Niro. I love this part of the movie. I must have made them real quick. Citizens rising up, all their guns in hand, taking out the the group slowly. I love it so much. Right here, boom! <laughs> Fuck, dude. Ah, I know he's probably padded up. I, I can guarantee he's padded up. But God, that role would have sucked. All right. What's your number one? My number one vigilante film of all time. Roadhouse. <laughs> Fuck you. You know it's true. Fuck you. He takes the law into his own hands, takes down this it's this guy who owns the police. It's literally his job. Fuck He's you. a fucking cooler. He doesn't have to go above and beyond, but he does to save this small town. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Roadhouse is awesome. <laughs> it's, Roadhouse. Roadhouse is not a good movie. It's bullshit. It's Rock, not. Roadhouse Sam is, Elliott, Terry Funk's in it. Roadhouse is not a good movie. Patrick Swayze. But, it, but it is an awesome movie. Doing Tai Chi in the sun, looking sexy as shit. <laughs> he rips a man's throat out. <laughs> what more do you want? Which is the which was the chief uh, inspiration for MacGruber. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So I'm calling no, I'm saying bullshit. Wouldn't MacGyver be the chief inspiration for MacGruber? Uh he doesn't rip people's throat out. <laughs> Unless I missed that episode. Was that in like season seven when they got really desperate? I have no made? idea. Let's talk about um Charles Bronson's weapon here. This is the Wildy, Wildy the Wildy uh four seventy five. It's a hand cannon. This thing is fucking immense. In a 2005 interview in American Handgunner magazine, Wildy Moore, the gun's creator and technical consultant for this production, all of his um, man, he had this to say. Um, Go ahead. 
Every time this uh, film aired on cable television, Moore had this to say. To this day, there is a spike in Wildy Magnum sales every time Death Wish 3 appears on cable television. Damn right. When you see what this gun can do on screen... He's which, sniping with this fucking gun. Which Another mannequin's obvious. Another mannequin. This movie undersells what this gun can do, because if you actually showed what this gun can do on screen, this movie would have had a, X. Uh, an X rating with, if it was chest without out shit. a fucking doubt. I hate that guy's gun. It's literally like two pieces of pipe. Oh, he calls it a zip gun, but it's firing shotgun shells. I love that they show him reloading for the first time. He's that, fired like 30 shots. Oh no! Bill! Get out of there! You've got to save the future! Bill S. You motherfucker. That's a combat Shot. shotgun, by the way. Hey! hey detective dude! Well, let's, give a, let's give a round of applause to the... Okay, here we go. We're going to get the lethal weapon spot where they're going to run down the road shooting people. Being awesome. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid style. Here we so, go. Do you know how old? Boom. Do you know how old Charles Bronson was when he filmed this movie? Uh, fifty. He was sixty-four Jesus years old. Christ! Now, do <laughs> right you- here, I'm not in any cover at all, <laughs> and they're just like all firing. He's standing next to a um, bow headshot. <laughs> bow headshot. Next to a mailbox, and, that's, and that's the other guy, nothing, and. No, they're they're untouched. Oh no! Oh, no! No! Oh, oh, he's got his back. Um, do you think Charles Bronson is wearing a wig? I oh. And even if he is, don't tell me. I don't want to shatter the illusion. There is the general consensus that from this movie on, he's no, wearing a wig. There's no way. Hold I, on. His hair is perfectly pepper and salt. You know. Yes, his hair is afraid of changing. <laughs> he looks perfect. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, and boom! <laughs> and if she would have hired that like that, she would have, like, like, dislocated everything. Shotgun out of a fucking window. Magnificent. And, he, and he's still fucking... He's just standing next to a cave. How, how many... Chain fence. Well, the, ah! With the, with the fucking giant broom! She's cleaning up the streets. <laughs> it's subtext. That's what makes this movie, this movie great. <laughs> Oh, dude, now I can't... Now, Why did you say that? Now, finally, he's out of bullets. Look at his hair. You're bothering me. No. If it's a wig... No, it's bouncing perfect. If it's a wig, it's a really good wig. Um, You've shattered my entire... Nothing in life is real anymore. I'm not saying he's wearing a wig. I'm saying the general consensus is that he is wearing a wig. Was he known to wear a wig at some point? Why is there pictures? Back then, back then, wearing a wig was held a little more closely to the vest, like John Saxon and other actors, or uh, Paul Stanley of Kiss now. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they'll never admit it, so I don't know if it's a wig or not. If it's a wig, it's a good wig. It's a it's fucking beautiful. Why didn't you leave the damn... All right, with the 38 special, trying to load it up. Mr. Saturday Night Special. Oh, man. Right. You broke... Th- Oh, 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 oh,
Guess what, motherfucker? I don't care if you're dying or not. You're about to get blown away by a fucking rocket launcher. Rocket launcher. Rocket launcher. (laughs) Oh, here we go. The climax of both Death Wish 3 and Death Wish 4 are very similar. This is a... a, Bazooka. This is a bazooka. It's technically this is a a rocket launcher in part four. Um, What's the difference? Not really much. Is it? Oh, is it the first Dirty Harry? Boom! (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Cindy Lauper's terrified. (laughs) Dude. That is fucking satisfying. I don't. Have you seen? Have you seen Death Wish Four? Yeah, it's been a while. Death Wish Four. At the very end of the movie, the, oh the villain gets blown away with a Look rocket launcher, and it's a little more satisfying because you get to see a mannequin blown up. But, but man, this is fucking fantastic because their leader gets killed, and they all like, you know what? Cut the head Fuck off the it. snake. We're we're fucking done. We're gonna go back to our our you know our subterranean. What's weird is like there's a part right before all the hell breaks loose where the. Uh, Kurgan's methed out cousin calls <laughs> somebody and he's like, I need more men. As many as you can spare. And I was like, is there like henchmen are us in this fucking series or something? They just kind of show up. I need a 30 bad guys right now wearing fishnet and leather. Let's go. They bear willing chains. I don't know. I, I don't know. What, what's your what's your final thoughts on Death Wish 3? It is still my favorite one out of the entire series. The first one is a, a better movie the, overall, but the third one is so much fun. The first Death Wish is in my top five. I absolutely love it. I think it's a, a masterpiece in filmmaking. I love that 1970s era. Yep. This is more fun. It's a very fun film. And this is one where you can turn your brain off and just watch a movie for the ridiculous sake of ridiculousness. I did it work. And... When the first racing popped up, I could not stop laughing, and everybody was looking at me at the office. Like I work in like an office that's really quiet, guys, and I was sitting there with my headphones on and giggling to myself, like I shouldn't be watching this at work. And, the, and that's the thing: the first two movies try and make the rape scenes impactful, and you know, and not funny. Hey, she died. Okay, she, she died from a broken fucking. The quads got to her heart, man. <laughs> By the time they got there, she was she was expired. All right, we we have. A, f- a few fan questions as our um, oh our uh, the police finally show up <laughs> show, show up t- too late to be their their fucking mountain of paperwork is going to be oh yeah immense but cars alone they have very little to do actually all right this cu- question comes from Jay Allen are there any episodes of the podcast you've done you don't like and um, I'll answer this question um, uh. Simply Frankenhooker, because I was super unprepared. That was early on in the podcast. Um, shout out to Judd Kelly, one of my best friends. But Judd didn't know what he what he was in for. Pre, uh, later episodes are much better. That's that's one of the low points. Also, the second episode, which is G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. That's an episode where if you want to hear me just vitriol, hating on a movie, Could've. it's probably good, but it's not. you're not going to learn a lot about the, the production. Are there any movies you've done that you're not crazy about? I think you re-recorded it. Was it Ghostbusters 2? I had to re-record it. I hated it because like, I, uh, I was always like, drunk. I was drunk. You were super I drunk. I was really drunk. All right, a little, I had done a little no. bit. A little bit of backstory. We, we started recording, and, we, and everything was going great, and then my fucking Blu-ray 
fucked up. So we had to switch to a DVD. And by that point, I was wasted. Scott and I were drunk, and Cameron uh, doesn't drink. You know who doesn't drink? He he was sober, but by that point, we were too oh, drunk to be able to. So oh. I had to re- I had to redo the episode. That one I'm ashamed of. I'm really glad we record. I was upset. I was like, oh man. And then I was like, no, nah, he he's right. <laughs> Um, kiss me, Scooby Doo, because I'd never seen the film, and like, if I, I, I just didn't give it a chance. I didn't give it a chance, and I really enjoyed watching it. It's it, despite the fact that it has scab kiss in it. It's a pretty good episode. Yeah. Otherwise, that's right before we switch to doing strictly uh, retrospectives, and, but, now, and now we're doing the best here of the world. I like it. I best like it a lot. Worlds. All right, um, this comes from Brian Anderson. Fuck, Mary, kill. Oof. Daniel Harris. <gasps> Jamie Lee Curtis, no. Scout Taylor Compton, who is uh, Laurie in the remake. Do you want me to do mine while you're thinking? Oh, yeah. I'm going to fuck Daniel Harris. I'm going to fuck her so good. <laughs> Best two minutes of your life, baby. I'm going to jizz all over those fucking tattoos you won't show me. Um, I'm going to marry Jamie Lee Curtis because she's got stability and, um, and her ex-husband or her current husband is Christopher Guest. I'm a huge Spinal Tap fan. So I'm going to use that as an end, like uh, introduce me to your ex-husband and I'm going to fucking kill Scout Taylor Compton, even though she's sexy. Um, she does a terrible performance. Uh, she's probably my age. I thought she'd be younger than me. I mean, she's probably, I mean, when I say my age, I mean, she's probably in her twenties. Yeah. I'm in my late thirties. I don't know why I said that. I'm drunk. Uh, yeah, I would do the basically something you said, but just because I I don't I don't like her performance in that film, um, and she's younger than me, like really younger than me, I think, and that bothers me. I'd rather be able to, my age, an older lady who knows what she's doing, can show me a few things and last longer. Than Lord me. knows you're not going to show them anything. Damn right. <laughs> I have a, a few key moves now that I've earned over the years, and that's what I'm sticking to. <laughs> Yeah. Your mom never complained. <laughs> you give my mom so much shit, I had to throw one back wow, on you. Wow. Buffy. She's never going to hear it. I'm going double deep next time. <laughs> All right. So three inches or four? <laughs> I'm going to go a three and a half. Oh, damn. Oh, Stretching yourself, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. I'm going to tuck my balls so I can go all the way. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, this final question comes from Aaron Dobb. Uh, pitch me an Evil Dead crossover film. With Bronson? No, just a crossover film in general. Oh, these are these these questions are questions I didn't haven't been able to really okay. figure well, into other not, episodes. So I was about to say, you want to put Bronson in the fucking Evil Dead franchise? I am totally holy shit. I, I'm totally in favor of that. If you if you have a pitch on that, I uh, all he has to do is go to S Mart to get ammo. Boom, Deadites. He saves fucking uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell thinks he's the hero the entire time, but it's actually Bronson killing them. Read from your fucking book. <laughs> Make these monsters go away. <laughs> my my crossover film is yet another uh, Terminator sequel, but made so much better by instead of a Terminator protecting Sarah Connor and or John Connor, it would be Paul fucking Kersey of the Death Wish films. Oh, shoot your robot. <laughs> Oh, that'd be good. And then have six. Did you just see that? <laughs> oh, Carpenter came out recently. No, yeah, and said that he was high on ecstasy and sleep deprivation when he came up with the characters. For what? 
Terminator. Well, that wouldn't be Carpenter. Oh, no, God damn it. Uh, fucking, what's his name? That'd be James Cameron. James Cameron. I'd always. Was high on I'd always ecstasy. Heard, I, was, I always heard that he was on the set of Piranha 2 and he had nightmares. But, Watch um, it. okay, well, that, that the makes John Con- It must came out like yesterday, I think. I was reading about it at work. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, um, closing closing remarks. Death Wish three uh, seal of approval. You damn right. It's a it's a perfect fun movie. If you can't have fun watching this movie, then you're part of the PC police that just need to go away. Um, as far as the way that Michael Winter treated some of the the actors over the years, I, I don't agree with that. But as as just as a fun popcorn movie, how can you fucking hate this movie? It's like saying you don't like the way Kubrick felt like treated his actors. The performance speaks for itself. Well, this is a classic. It's up there next to uh, Apocalypse <laughs> Now or anything else. That's Francis Ford Coppola, ah! not, not Kubrick, but. Um, Kubrick abused uh, Shelley Duvall to get an incredible performance out of her. Worked. Michael Winter abused Marina Sirtis because he wanted to see her tits. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. And I'm glad that Marina Sirtis Oh my god, we got to see them titties, didn't we? Well, I'm not unhappy that I didn't there see you go. them. There uh, The circumstances in which we saw them, probably not the best. But, um, and the lighting was magnificent. The lighting was magnificent. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm a big fan of Marina. She she uh, she actually became a somewhat decent actress, uh, despite the fact that uh, she I probably never she had great material to work with. Well, yeah, she was on Star Trek. Of course, she never had great material. Listen, to work with. bitch, it's a great <laughs> fucking show. Now, before we close up shop, we have to spin the wheel and find out what we're doing next month. So I'm going to go to oh, my. Crap. We're really doing this. I'm going to go to my app and we're going to find out what episode we're doing next. Alright. Rants after dark. Let's, do it. Let's go. Spinning the wheel. Oh no. Oh no. And uh, it's funny because we alluded to this earlier with uh, Bill Lustig. Next episode we're doing Maniac. This is a rough film. A rough film, but rough a but a film. great film in its own right. Um, the Black, uh, the Ransom Black Lodge podcast and Rants After Dark can be found on social media at Rants Black Lodge. Please subscribe to the podcast on one of the many platforms we're available on, um, iTunes, uh, Spotify, on down the list. What, whichever your podcast proclivities will lead you, we're probably available on there. Check us out on projectladder.net and on juicykruger.com. Buy a t-shirt or a mug from our, uh, uh, Web store at rantarmy.com. For Fat Fuck Scott, I'm Brandon A. Lane. We'll see you next time. Rant Army, keep marching.